Friday Rush, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm hanging out inside the grill of Westwood Park Golf Course. Got some OU fans in here hanging out as well. We're chopping it up in between breaks on what we can expect this year. They, uh, they're uh, having a good time here on this Friday afternoon, and you can as well. If you're just now getting off of work, come by, hang out at the Westwood Park Grill, go uh, hit the driving range, maybe go play nine holes before you go home, or Saturday and Sunday uh, come out here and play 18 holes. But Westwood Park, the course is in fantastic shape. And if golf's not your thing, that's all good. They got the Westwood Pool next door. They got the Westwood Tennis Facility as well. Really, really cool what the city of Norman has done with this complex. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar, 4205 South Sheridan Road. And I'm going to guess some people are piling in there 4 o'clock on a Friday and getting some of those uh, $3 drinks they have. Yeah, again, couldn't be more appreciative uh, about our friends here with Ash Cigar Bars here in Tulsa, 42nd and Sheridan. Uh, we've got some people coming in and out, uh, starting their weekend off early. Yeah, those $3 domestic drafts, they do those all the time. And, uh, and yeah, it's a beautiful setting for them, comfortable setting for them. Uh, we saw on the text line earlier some people saying, well, you know, what if I, what if I don't smoke? That's totally fine. They've got two massive Blue Ox smoke eaters uh, up on the ceiling. It really draws that smoke away. So you can sit in here and be super comfortable uh, and not have to wave smoke out of your face. Uh, I will be uh, lighting up a cigar here uh, (laughs) decently shortly, as I do in the third hour of the show, uh, typically. Uh, But, yeah, having a great time down here, and I've already got a couple of tweets and messages saying people are on their way. So join them. Come on through. Nice. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. Um, we got a fun guest coming up next segment. Former OU basketball player Tyler Neal is going to join us. He was with Teddy and I for a few segments yesterday. He did a really cool job. So we're going to throw some basketball and uh, OU football questions Tyler's uh, way. I, I, I've got a couple that I've been uh, wondering about for a while, so I'm interested to ask him those. But before we do that, Steely and Parker – had a really cool topic or a really fun topic on their show today. It was, you know, we always run down the biggest plays in OU football history, but what about one of the most underrated plays in OU football history? You know, plays that were significant, had a huge impact on that game and that season, but don't often get credited as a top five or top ten play in OU history. And, uh, Travis, I'm going to throw a couple out at you. The first one I have written down is from the year 2000. OU has a 12-7 lead over Oklahoma State late in the fourth quarter. It's a fourth down. Oklahoma State's play call, they want to get big Marcellus Rivers, the tight end, on a one-on-one with Derek Strait, where it felt like Marcellus Rivers had about six inches on Derek Strait. They just throw a fade to the corner of the end zone. Derek Strait knocks it down and preserves the 12-7 win. Now, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to college football. I think that was a massive play, one of the biggest in the 2000 season. I almost think that if he doesn't make that play and Oklahoma State scores and wins the game, and even if OU turns around the next week and wins the Big 12 championship, I think there's a real chance the BCS puts in a rematch of Miami and Florida State. It's a play we don't talk about enough. But Derek Strait in Stillwater in 2000, that play was massive, dude. Oh, absolutely. And you can look back. If, if we're thinking, you know, the importance of certain plays, it seemed like OU 
just in general was was hanging on by a thread so many times late in games. I mean, how many times did we see an interception late in the game seal a win? I think we saw it against, what, Iowa State. I remember a ball getting batted down against TCU. We saw it uh, um, against Army, things like that uh, that were just late. I think an underrated, as far as if we're looking at just not necessarily the importance of the play, but just the iconic nature of them. Um, because, you know, on, on their show, on, on Steely and Thune, they talked about, you know, you can't say the, the Superman Roy Williams play. You know, you can't say. They had a couple that were like, okay, these are these are already enshrined. So, so what are other iconic plays? I'm going to take you back to 2012 Ooh. and uh, go with, uh, go with Tr- Trey Millard's 73-yard hurdle and stiff arm against Texas at the same time. Uh, yeah. I, I think that not o- it, it, it does so much. Just it, We would expect, you know, Adrian to do that or something like that. But for the fullback to get up there, have the lift – to completely hurdle a player, and then the strength while you're in midair to shuck somebody, to just stiff arm them, hit them with the Heisman, and then continue that speed and and, and and continue that run, that, I think, is, as far as iconic plays go, that would be one that I would I would definitely put up there. The only, the only other one for, for me personally, and you could pretty much put the whole fourth quarter in there, um, but Sterling Shepard tiptoeing down the sideline uh, against Tennessee, hurdling the player, and then kind of following, rolling into the end zone. Uh, every every play um, seems seems so big in that Tennessee game that ended up really being kind of Baker's coming out party and, and Baker's announcement onto the scene, his arrival. Uh, but Sterling Shepard was so big in that game. So th- those are a couple plays that I would point out. Uh, uh, yeah. The Trey Millard huddle. Um, that went 73 yards. Didn't score on that, but uh, went out right down near the goal line. But but those two things are, are super iconic to me. Yeah, and that play in the 2012 Texas game that really set the tone that day. And OU just blew the doors off of Texas for the second consecutive year in 2012. And that was one of the plays that set the tone, man. And then that was the last time that OU had a huge, convincing win over Texas. But that play is is still a meme today, and still a picture that we see uh, quite frequently on Twitter, which is really really cool. Really cool that about ten years later we're still talking about it. I'm going to throw three other plays at you. You tell me which one catches your eye the most. You've got the Ronaldo works, uh, 2002 against Alabama, the shovel pass. OU was actually down. It was late in the fourth quarter. OU goes to a shovel pass with Ronaldo Works. He makes a huge play, gets OU in a position to score a touchdown. They end up beating Alabama that day. That was a big win. Um, how about 2004, though? The tip and then the catch for Mark Bradley. Mark Bradley goes over the middle, tips it straight up in the air. Everyone thinks it's an incomplete pass. He runs under his own tip. And runs it all the way for a touchdown, and OU wins a close one that day in Stillwater, 38-35. As Tom Dorado said on that radio call, he caught his own tip. And then I'm going to throw you a crazy one. <laughs> You're in Tulsa right now. Okay. TU fans will remember this. 2005, a little bit of a transition year for OU. TU's only down like 17-15, to I think, in the fourth quarter against OU. Adrian Peterson 
single-handedly breaks about eight or nine tackles and scores a touchdown late to preserve a close win over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Which one of those three yeah, catches I rem- your eye the most? Uh, man, I think I'm biased because of the because of the TV being in Tulsa, being at the game, seeing you know, knowing some people um, that were that were playing for TU at the time. Um, I think that one probably probably stands out a little bit more for me. I mean, Adrian was absolutely absurd in that game. Rushed for two twenty three touchdowns, and uh, Rhett Bomar played like crap. Um, he was, uh, he, was I get, he, had, uh, he was being weighed down by all that, uh, you know, big red sports and imports money. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think without Adrian, obviously, we, we get beat in that game, which is insane to even think about. Um, but but yeah he oh, he played rough that game but yeah so I'm probably going that way I'm but I'm I'm a guy it's all about all about the iconic I mean you really you think about it what about uh, what about post Kansas when Baker was suspended for the first series of the game and we get our first real look at Kyler Murray and yeah. and he scampers on down and turns it into about an eight second first possession um, things like that really stick out to me as kind of the I'm big on I'm big on arrivals and and like the Tennessee game, the the arrival of Baker Mayfield. I feel like Kyler taking that run. We had heard amazing things about Kyler. We knew about his high school uh, accomplishments, everything like that. And then A&M, we're like, well, he's not lighting the world on fire, but we know how talented he is. And then he gets to OU, hits that scamper, and we're like, oh boy, I, I cannot wait uh, to see this guy shine. Speaking of uh, um, speaking of Kyler. Uh, Man got paid. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Man got he paid did. Big time. Good for him. Yeah, he's making uh, about two million less than the entire Oakland A's roster is making this year. So, uh, Kyler Murray, you made the you made the right choice picking between football and baseball. Hundred uh, percent. Okay, uh, I, let, let's get to the text line here. As a Tulsa alum, the AD run still hurts. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Pottstown, Pennsylvania Sooner, Andre Wolfolk's catch after being tackled in the 2000 Nebraska game. So I had a fifth-grade basketball game that day. We're in the championship of a tournament. And so I, I, I had to miss that game. What, huge regret. Can't believe I missed that game. So I was listening to Bob Berry Sr.'s, the radio call, while we were trying to hurry back after the game and get in front of a TV. And I heard the radio call of that play live. And as you can imagine, I mean, it was a circus play. Bob Berry Sr. thought that it was incomplete. And when you're sitting there on the radio, you're saying, okay, whatever, incomplete. Then he comes back, oh, my God, he caught it. I, I, I will never forget the live radio call of Andre Wolfolk's catch. That was awesome. Uh, 917, the fake punt on their own 30-yard line at Alabama in 2003. Yep, Michael Thompson caught that one. Uh, Michael Thompson had a really unfortunate car accident after the 2000 National Championship season. He was a major contributor for that 2000 team, then gets that fake punt call in 03. They get the first down, and this is as vintage Bob Stoops as it gets, Travis. It felt like every single time OU like got a big boost of momentum, especially from like a big special teams play or a big defensive play. Buddy, you know what they're doing. 
They're going play action over the top. That's exactly what they did. Fake punt, play action over the top to Mm -hmm. Brandon Jones, boom, touchdown, and kind of put the game away. Yeah, it's in a in a program as storied as as Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's. I, I know you guys have talked about this kind of throughout the week, uh, but it's among the top five most storied programs. I personally think it's among the top three. You can kind of argue between two and three. I think Bama's one, and then OU and Ohio State can can flip back and forth between two and three. Uh, when you're in that rarefied air, I don't think it's kind of like the 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 LeBron and and uh, and michael jordan debate it's like any anybody that says that i'm ever the second best person to ever do anything that millions of people have have tried to do that's that's pretty good you know that's that's not being called a bum you know whoever you whoever you think is the goat um which obviously is a debate for a different type of show um but whoever you think of the goat whoever's second best that's pretty darn good and that's how i feel about you know, OU and Ohio State's place um, in the uh, you know in the in the pantheon of college football. So you think just so many stories, and I think if we had the text line in uh, you know in 1960, uh, I bet we would probably get some different answers. Um, but but a lot of good answers on the text line. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, I, but I, I I tend to go. I know it's not one single play, but. Man, the Antonio Perkins, the, the the three returns for touchdowns, you know, against yep. UCLA, uh, kind of iconic moments, record-setting moments, uh, things like that. Uh, there, I, 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 t- I tend to like those. Yeah, man, that was that was a day where you know Antonio Perkins returns the first one, and then he returns the second one, and then they kept punting it to him. And, like, you're sitting there rooting for OU in the stands, but at the same time as, like, a fan of football, you're saying, what are they doing? Like, why would you keep punting to the guy? Like, punt it out of bounds. Like, throw it out of bounds. I don't care. Like, why are you still punting to this guy? They kept punting it to him, and he kept taking him back for touchdowns, man. It was – they go, you won, like, 59-24 that day. Man. And I kind of wanted to watch the offense play, you know what I mean? It's one thing, the yeah. defense goes out there, and you're like, okay, cool, man, big stop. And they kick it away, and you're like, all right, let's see what the offense can can, can put together. And then he scores. You're like, okay, all right, defense, back out there. Oh, man, all right, good job, guys, you got to stop. All right, let's see what the offense can do. Oh, okay, uh, never mind. We're just going to keep scoring. At some point, if I'm the defense, I'm like, come on, come on. Antonio, why don't you just – why don't you just – fair catch one give us a little bit of a break yeah yeah well he uh he took several back to the house during his career but that that 03 game man that was his finest hour and he will i think in my opinion be forever cemented as the greatest punt returner in ou history largely because he holds that record man i i I mean there's certainly some other guys that you can argue but antonio perkins to me is a punt returner he is uh he's the goat he's the goat 405 651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Former OU basketball star Tyler Neal is going to join us next. Talk a little hoops. Talk a little OU football as well. Just keep it locked on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Friday Rush live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm at Westwood Park Golf Course in Norman. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa, 4205 South Sheridan Road. If you're in the 918, go see him today. 
and excited about this guest, Tyler Neal, former OU basketball star. He was on with Teddy and I for about three segments yesterday. He is wanting to get into sports media, and I thought he did an incredible job yesterday. Um, but I've got some questions about OU football, OU basketball I want to throw his way. Tyler, first off, thank you for joining us again today. I, I want to ask you a question that I've always been interested in because I've asked before on the text line, hey, who do you guys consider as OU's biggest basketball rival? Obviously, Texas is the answer for football, but I get mixed answers. I get Texas. I get Oklahoma State. I get Kansas. You as a player for the program and an Oklahoma kid, who did you consider or who do you consider OU's biggest rival when it comes to hoops? Great question. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I'm I'm curious about the Kansas. No, I don't mean to, to call them out by any by any means, those text line folks. But um, so I I feel like I have a unique perspective or maybe a biased perspective. Born and raised in Oklahoma City, born and raised a Sooner fan. Um, going to games, going to Bedlam games. Yeah, some Texas games as well. But, yes, the Texas games felt important as well. But something about the the in-state nature for an in-state guy like myself, um, it's Oklahoma State easy for me. Not not even close. And I think if you look at the overall record between – so obviously in football – um, you know, the Bedlam series is a pretty lopsided record, 90 to, you know, in it 90 to 19 or something like that. In basketball, lost though, count. it's a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In basketball, it's a lot closer. It's like, it's you know, within within 20 games or, or 30, 40 games, somewhere in there out of, you know, 260. So 141 to 102. Just look that up. So I think it's, you know, it also seems like lately – uh, compared to Texas, OSU, I guess not lately, but if you talk about the last 20 years or so, you know, OSU had that Final Four team. I guess Texas had one as well, but it seems like OSU's made the Sweet 16 a few more times. Um, and, yeah, I just think the kind of the local flair of on the basketball side of things, easy OSU for me. Travis? Well, I appreciate you anything I, over I there? appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, I appreciate you jumping on with us. Um, the, yeah, the rivalry thing's always been interesting to me because, you know, is it, you know, Bedlam and football rivalry? Sure, that's what most people would, would assume. But, again, you bring up the lopsided uh, record. And then as we move into the SEC, people talk about, okay, is OU and Arkansas really going to be uh, a big-time rivalry uh, just based on proximity? So I guess there's really two ways to measure uh, the rivalries. It's, you know, proximity or competition, um, hopefully you have a little bit of both in there, but uh, I kind of want to want to bring up uh, kind of your your thoughts on uh, the class that uh, Porter's got coming in. Obviously, it is a incredible time, an incredible time for OU athletics. Joe C has done such a great job. I saw Tyler put up on the KREF account. Uh, you know, if you could have the the you know the SB or uh, the K-Ref Spees or whatever Tyler called him, <laughs> who would have been the best coach this year. And we have multiple national champions up there. We have uh, a guy like Skip Johnson whose team was was really not picked to do, go very far this year. He ends up getting them all the way to the national title game, things like that. So, you know, Joe C., 
really has got the benefit of the doubt on any hires. I'm sure I'm sure when sure when Joe C hires the guy to cut his lawn that that is the best lawnmower that the region has ever seen, maybe the country has ever seen. Because anytime this guy hires anybody, it, it seems to be uh, seems to be a home run. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, what you expect going forward with Porter Moser. Uh, what you thought of just real real quickly, what you thought uh, uh, so far um, into his very short uh, early stint with the Sooners, and what you think his first uh, his first kind of big class that he's had time to make. Uh, is going to have in store. Yeah, I'd love to touch on the class a little bit. I was looking into that a little bit yesterday. Um, we talked briefly uh, yesterday about kind of how I felt about Porter. Really, really, I think you know he was a home run hire. Um, I think last year, even though with finishing seventh in the league, you know, obviously not great, not what we want. But if you look at that roster, you've got so many newcomers, um, and. You know, we said yesterday. I think they weren't all that far off of being, you know, being right in that hunt of fighting for, for at worst, a top half finish. Um, you know, even really there, you win a couple games here and there that you that you didn't, and maybe that you also weren't supposed to, but you were close enough to, to make it work. You know, you could be you can be scraping and clawing there for fourth or even third, which I think in a first season would have been incredibly successful. So I think we'll look back at that year. And, you know, maybe not right now, but uh, as some of that success starts to come, Porter starts integrating with culture, getting some of the guys he wants in, the type of guys he wants in, type of players. Um, we'll look back that year and be like, you know, it wasn't far off, and, and the future success um, kind of ends up demonstrating that or, or proving that retroactively almost. As far as the, you know, Porter, I think he's got the energy. He said this yesterday. All the NIL stuff today. All this uh you know, the transfer portal, I think, in basketball is can really hurt a program much more than it can in football uh, and on the basketball side of things because, you know, depending on the school, you're, you're relying on nine guys at most to play in a rotation, but as the season kind of gets down past, uh, you know, past January, February, into the heart of the conference schedule there, February and March leading up to the tournament, you know, a lot of schools are only playing, you know, seven, maybe eight guys, two, three deep on the bench if you're lucky. And, you know, right now, come the off season, you don't, you just don't know who's going to be on your team the next year. And it's really unfortunate. We could obviously talk for a long time about that. About that. But, you know, you lose one guy that averages 15 a game, 17 a game, you got to replace those points. And you don't always have that on the roster. So I think, you know, getting over to the, to the, uh, roster side of the question that you asked there, Travis. I think this year he's done a good job of, so you've got Benny Schroeder from, from Germany there. Um, really, really highly rated uh, European, you know, on the European circuit. Really highly touted. 6'7". Uh, played a lot of guard. Not sure where he'll fit in on Porter's team. It seems like there's a good, especially with, um, you know, Grant Sherfield getting uh, becoming eligible this week, which is a huge thing because he's a big-time scorer. Averaged 19 a game last year. Um, 6'2", really big guard. If you Let me ask you this. C.J. Nolan seems like a pretty – like he should be a football player. I mean, would you guys agree with that? About 230 pounds? 100%. 100%. Yeah, he's, sure got, he's, got the body, he's got the body type for it. 
Grant Sherfield's 228, 230 listed as 228, and he's a big-time scorer as well. So I think Sherfield will really um, – will probably end up being Porter's, uh, you know, main ball handler this year. Um, you know, he's obviously got Bijan Cortez back. Really looking to see him make strides as an in-state guy. I always like seeing those guys do well. Uh, also brought in Uzan, who is a really big-time recruit, uh, you know, top 100 kid at guard. And um, – then you start talking about off-the-ball guys. Joe Banafield, I think, is a big-time transfer get. Average 16 or 17 there at George Washington. Really good athlete and uh, has played at, at a couple schools now, uh, but has played a lot of ball in two years, and, and he'll be a junior there. So then, obviously, you know, adding those guys into Jalen Hill and, and Grove, uh, bringing Ryan Humphrey on staff. Um, you know, was a great player in his own right here in Oklahoma. Uh, there in the league for a little bit and uh, really proved his chops as a guy that co- could coach up big men well. Has, has had some really good recent success there at Notre Dame. Excited to see um, you know, some of the work this summer pan out with, with Groves, specifically Groves this year. I think Groves can really stand to benefit a lot from him. Not only Groves, but future bigs. Um, you know, you've got true freshman uh, Luke Northweather, big body, pretty versatile Kid shot shot the three well there in high school last year um, in Missouri and and excited to see you know him grow there with Ryan Humphrey as well. But you know Porter's had to deal with some some staff changes, two new assistants. We talked about that yesterday. I think there's a lot to be excited about. It will take you know basketball is a sport where you gotta have you gotta just have guys that have played and been in in, in important moments together and. They just didn't have that last year and lost so many close games because of it. Whereas, you know, that same group of guys has played at least a season together, but ideally, you know, season and a half, two seasons, that starts to really show itself and, and pulling out some of those close games. So hopefully those, those building blocks keep, uh, you know, that, that continues this year. And uh, yeah, there's, there's some guys to be excited about here. Some, some real talent. So uh, it should be a fun season. OU basketball star Tyler Neal, former OU basketball stars Tyler Neal is our guest. Um, yeah, that was fun yesterday, you coming in with this and your excitement about this football season and the Brent Venables era kind of echoed what I think the rest of the fan base feels like right now. I, I am interested, though, Tyler, like what's one thing that Brent Venables has said? What's one thing that Brent Venables has done that maybe you point to and say, yeah, I feel really good that this is going to go well because he said this or did this. Is there like one thing in particular that stands out? Yeah, I, the one thing that stands out to me, it's, it's more of a philosophy he has. Um, he's spoken pretty openly about it, as has some of the other staff and even some, some recruits and players. I don't the, – the, so the problem with the thing I like, I don't – think it necessarily will manifest itself so much as this season per se, but I think over the long term, I think OU will be back, you know, consistently a top two or three program yearly because of this. And that thing is his stance on what is a commitment when it comes to a recruit? Are you committing to us? Or are you going to go and keep taking visits and, you know, commit somewhere else? Yeah. You're going to lose out on some guys probably because of that. But I think what, you know, we, we talk over and over about the culture that's, you know, being set and established, and that's not a short-term thing. That's not an overnight thing. I think what that lends itself to, you know, as, as you get into one season in Norman, 
second season there, third season. You've got a group of guys, you know, along with the strength and conditioning program, but you've got a group of guys there that want to be there, especially with the transfer portal and NIL opportunities, you know, uh, people batting their eyelashes from other schools throughout the, you know, throughout the off season, like we just talked about with basketball. You've got guys there that heard Venable's pitch on, hey, this is what a commitment looks like to us. Decided to go through with it. You know, want to be a part of that culture, see what BB's doing, and realize the program that OU is. Um, and I think that long term will, you know, he, he may miss out on some guys short term, but long term, I think that backdoor guys, you know, leaving, transferring out, whatever that may be, I think he's really doing himself a favor with that. So that's my favorite thing. Yeah. Hey, man, great stuff as always. Um, again, appreciate you coming in yesterday. Appreciate you hanging out with us for about 15 minutes today. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll be seeing you sometime soon, Tyler Neal. But seriously, man, thanks for getting up the, some of your time on so. Friday. Thanks, Tyler. Travis, take it easy. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, there you go. Tyler appreciate Neal, it, man. former OU basketball star, former sixth man of the year in the Big 12, huh? How about that? 405-651-3439. I know you guys got a lot to say on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll hit that and more coming up next. College football on the other side, as always. Right here on The Ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Friday Rush, live on The Ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, we're here with you until 6 p.m. tonight. I'm at Westwood Park Golf Course in Norman where people are having a good time. Getting the weekend started out here at Westwood. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar, 4205 South Sheridan Road. Hey, um, by the way, first, like, tell me what's going on over there at Ash. I, I know they have the $3 drinks, but I'm also very curious to what tight end Daniel Parker Jr. said on a Twitter space that you were on earlier this week. You, you told me what he said, which was fascinating, but... I'm interested to learn more about exactly what the context of it was. Yeah, so uh, uh, obviously we know the the, uh, the podcast on the prairie, the prairie pod with uh, um, with Jeremiah uh, Hall and with uh, Brandon Willis, uh, with B Will Weight Room Willie, as they call him. Um, they were like, you know what, we need to, we need to have a uh, we need to have a space. So a uh, bunch of players were on there, uh, obviously. Then a bunch of fans got on there, and I popped in there for a little bit, got to chat with them, and they were bringing up the workouts. And Daniel Parker was in there, and he's been a he has been a lot of fun on social media. Regardless, if you're not following him, make sure and give him a follow. Um, all the players, of course, but but he's he's specifically a great follow. Um, there were there have been things said about you know him leaving Missouri. Obviously, Daniel Parker Jr. transfer tight end from Missouri. Um, and they were talking about the workouts, and they're like, "What? Uh, you didn't go through this in the SEC? What's what's this like in the SEC?" And Daniel Parker says, "Well, I wasn't really in the SEC." He goes, "Missouri's wow. like uh, Missouri's like the JUCO SEC." Dang, um, woo, buddy! <laughs> and this is hot off, and this is hot off the heels of OU going into Missouri. And taking a couple of their top targets in Caden Green and PJ Adebare, um, it, it Missouri's taking it on the chin, not only in the recruiting uh, world, uh, but from their former player uh, Daniel Parker Jr. Obviously, some of them 
still think they've got the upper hand since the old Luther Burden um, saga went down. And obviously Luther Burden, former Oklahoma commit, five-star wide receiver, ends up at Missouri. Um, but since then, it's been, it's, it's been nothing but bad news for, uh, for Missouri. And getting dunked on by your former players in spaces that have, uh, that have a lot of people in attendance uh, is never good. I, I can't imagine ever being called the JUCO program of in any context of any conference. If OU was in the AFC South, we wouldn't even be the JUCO program of the AFC South. Um, and and that's what's that's what's just so funny. And we've talked about you know you don't want to get stuck with Mizzou in a pod or in a in a rivalry matchup, whether it's three six, um, one eight, anything like that. Um, but, yeah, it would be an easy win, but Missouri, just they don't feel like the SEC, and they didn't even feel like the yeah. SEC to their own players, apparently. I mean, he's not wrong by his comment. I mean, the last time that Mizzou had a winning record, a winning record in the SEC was all the way back in 2014. It's been that long since they've had a winning record Jeez. in that conference. And let's not act like... I mean, the East is pretty good now. Kentucky's got it rolling. Tennessee's making a come up. Georgia just won a natty. But the SEC East, we've been talking about for several of those years, like, oh, golly, it's not what it used to be. So, yeah, I, I would actually agree with Daniel Parker Jr., but that's that's rough, man. And you got what? He, he's not the only Mizzou player you got via the portal. L.V. Bunkley, or not L.V. Bunkley, Shelton. I'm thinking of uh, God, who am I thinking of? Uh, Travis from up in J. Tulsa J. that they got their wide receiver, JJ Hester as J. J. well. JJ Hester, yeah, so they got, Booker T. Washington, they got two uh, phenoms. Man, that yeah, is, it's, um, that, that's tough. And Missouri, you know, they're you think they'd be able to lock in any 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 talent in the state of Missouri because, like you said, I mean, they are in the SEC. They are. I mean, it's not like Missouri State is is you know taking a bunch of players or anything like that. So, you are really the the, the premier state school, and you are in the SEC. So you'd like to. I mean, you would think they'd get a bit of a bump, but I mean, looking at their their twenty twenty three top players that are in the uh, that are in the state of Missouri, you've got Tennessee, Notre Dame, OU, OU, LSU. Uh, Alabama crystal balls. You have to get all the way to the eighth best player in the state of Missouri uh, that nice. chose to go to, uh, to to Missouri, and that's that's insane. People talk about Oklahoma's in-state recruiting, and I get. I'm not. I'm not comparing. I'm not. I'm trying not to compare Oklahoma to Missouri. I totally understand that these are two different programs with two different histories and two different two different everything really, um, but. You'd think, hey, man, we're the state's premier school. You get a chance to play in the SEC, which is something that, especially when Parker and I were out in Las Vegas, almost to a person that was talking about listing their schools, they were like, man, you know, I want to play in the SEC. That matters to me and all that. Even with that, you know, even with that chip that they can push into the, to the center of the table in a recruitment, they, uh, they still can't get it done, and they're still getting – just the top seven players in their own state out the door. So that is uh, that's that's got to be frustrating. But that's what you get when you're the JUCO program of the SEC. <laughs> I love that. I want to make if OU ends up in a pod or a three six whatever with Missouri. Yes, the ref will be making T-shirts on the ref store. 
that says the JUCO program of the SEC and have some sort of a homage to Mizzou on it. I can assure you of that. Hey, um, speaking of Cruton, I was telling Parker earlier it's been six days without a commit. I'm, I'm kind of having withdrawals, but maybe a couple more commits are coming down the pipe as soon as next week. I'll tell you what, uh, we, we've got some uh, interesting news just from – you know, just while we've been on our show. Um, of course, we know the commitment dates of Derek LeBlanc, uh, standout uh, defensive tackle, fantastic defensive tackle um, out, of, out of Florida. Um, obviously, Jacoby Johnson is somebody we have circled as possibility to pop by the end of the month. So people say, okay, we've probably got two more. That would put us at a nine total in July. Nine is a lot. Um, and then... Uh, not but about an hour ago, uh, Josiah Wagner, um, the um, corner um, out of uh, Spanaway Lake High School, uh, four-star uh, kid, he just announced that he is announcing on the 25th. So now we've got an announcement on Monday. So it is quite possible that we pick up three blue-chip players next week and that is three blue chip players on the defense next week yep that would be two four-star corners and a and a four-star defensive tackle in one week two from the state of uh one from the state of florida one from the state of washington and then a local boy uh in jacoby so you're pretty much spreading the map about as much as possible at that point because um you know wagner uh hailing from washington but is about as about as far from uh derrick leblanc as you can get you get all three of those players. OU currently sits at, at number 10 now in the recruiting rankings. You'll jump LSU at 9. You'll jump Alabama at 8. You'll jump Tennessee at 7. You'll get, you'll be pretty close to cracking the top six at that point, seeing as, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, or Georgia don't get a huge commitment next week. But that's what we're talking about. You'll really rise up the top ten if uh, if that's what happens next week. Hey, um, before we hit a break, Travis, what's going on at Ash Cigar Bar up there in Tulsa? Oh, uh, just just kicking it here. People are are funneling in uh, to enjoy their their happy hour, their early happy hour on a uh, on a Friday. We've got uh, uh, old Julie Rogers popped in uh, to hang out. One of my uh, uh, former employees from the restaurant uh, years. So uh, yeah, we just got a good thing going on. It's it's relaxation, some cigars, three dollar domestic drafts. Can't beat it. Uh, we've got a few more people coming in soon. So. 42nd in Sheridan in Tulsa. I know there's a there's always some confusion of, well, the station's in Norman, you know, station's based out of Norman. Surely the remotes are in Norman. No, sorry, Bob. We are here in Tulsa. 42nd in Sheridan. Come through. Love it. Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. More come next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Living high time. Hour two of the Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson taking you up until 6 p.m. tonight. Travis uh, was doing a little work over there at Ash Cigar Bar during the break. He is a true professional. He's not over there smoking stogies or sipping whiskey or anything like that. No, 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 no. He's crunching numbers during the breaks, and you just crunch the number during the break. If they get those three commitments, OU, next week that we just talked about last segment, they'll be up to number what in the recruiting rankings next week? 
they would be just behind Texas, who is at number three right Woo! now, and we would be above Georgia, who is number four. So uh, if and, and I understand those that that follow recruiting know this all too well. You can you can do your class calculators and whatnot, um, but this is a, if nobody else adds a recruit, then we will have the number four class at the end of next week. Now that's it's not saying other people won't add a recruit, but that is pretty salty. Uh, pretty salty. That would put us at ten commitments in the month of July, which is it's just it's silly to be honest, is what it is. Yeah, it is. Hey man, who did you vote for uh with the refs piece yesterday for best coaching job this past season? Patty Gasso, Skip Johnson, Mark Williams, Lou Roselli, uh Hibble, Kindler, Baranchek, Cohen, or Nick Kroll, head coach of men's tennis. Man, it's it's interesting because I commented on this and I said there are multiple people saying blank and it's not close, blank and it's not close. Well, the minute you have two people saying two different things and saying it's not close, it is by definition close. Um, and it just speaks to the job that Joe, that Joe C. has done. Um, so I, I tend to lean Skip Johnson just because of the expectations. I think Patty Gasso, obviously national champion, um, not the only one on that list, obviously. Um, but, like, KJ, national champion. But with what they had to do, it's either Audra Cohen, the women's tennis coach, or it's Skip Johnson. I'm all about yeah, expectations. Yep. Final hour of the Friday Rush is next. Keep it locked on the ref.